Yeah, welcome to Grace. Glad you're here. Does anybody know what tomorrow is? Okay, this is great. I'm, I'm glad you guys are awake. First service didn't know, but they're asleep. What is tomorrow? It's New Year's, right? Happy New Year's. Come on. Now, New Year's is a great time. Uh, one business that does particularly well at New Year's is what? Gym memberships, like they just see a spike, like if you are a gym person, when you go in tomorrow or the next day, it's going to be packed. And what they say statistically, that will last for about a month and a half, and then you'll have your empty gym back again. And so that's just kind of how it works. But what happens at New Year's is people, they, they take some time to reflect on how the year's been. Often they'll look in a mirror. And mirrors reflect truth. So you look in a mirror, you kind of see how you look and decide if you're okay with what you see or not. And if you're not, you can trade your jeans or your slacks in for sweats because sweats cover a multitude of flaws, as it said. And so you reflect, you see what's in there, and then you recognize what's going on. You recognize, okay, maybe I've gotten a little bigger where I don't want to be, or maybe I've put on a few pounds, or maybe I'm really out of shape. And then after you recognize, you can choose if you want to redirect. And so what you can do is you can take the clothes off the treadmill or the bike, because they do make great clothes racks. In fact, if you're drying a sweater, I've been learning, you don't put sweaters in the dryers. You can put them like on your exercise equipment to dry out. But we all have this choice, right? And so we, we see this happen. Now, I don't want to minimize exercise. In fact, as Christians living in a country where obesity and heart disease are our number one killers, I would say it's important to recognize our physical health. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 4.8, he says, For physical training is of some value, not no value, but some value, but godliness has value for what? All things. So think about it. If you decide to be physically in shape this year, there's some value. If you decide to take spiritual assessment and get in spiritual shape, it's going to have value for what? All things. In fact, it goes on to say, for both the present life and the life to come. So if you had to weigh the benefits of physical shape or spiritual shape, which one is more important? Absolutely. And so what I want us to do today in the time that remains, I want us to look at this idea of taking inventory spiritually. And just like physically, we can reflect, we can realize, and we can redirect, I'm going to ask that we do the same thing in terms of our spiritual lives. Is that fair? Okay. Now, a few of you as I start up, you're saying, oh great, it's another New Year's resolution. And if you have a few years in your life or miles on the tire like me, your experience with New Year's resolutions is what? Fantastic. They always work. You keep them till the end of the year. I see the older people going, no, it's not how it works. In fact, New Year's resolutions, if you look it up in a dictionary, the synonyms are guilt, shame, reject. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. And so I want to challenge us because if I say New Year's resolutions, we have experience. I want to ask the question, is there a biblical pattern for evaluating before we enter something new. And I would say there is. You think about way back when when the people of Israel leave Egypt and they're headed to the promised land. They have this big 40-year detour. And before they go into the promised land, what does Moses do? He basically says, we're going to reflect on how we've been doing. We're going to realize where it's going to get us. And then we are going to redirect. In fact, he gives them the law and everything again in the book of Deuteronomy and says, before you go in, get it right. 
In fact, Joshua, who he sends in, does the same thing at the end of his life. Joshua 24, 14 through 15, this is what he tells the people. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Watch this. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And so he says, as you look at where you've been and how you're doing, you got to get rid of the junk in your life. Now I love this. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. In other words, you reflect on how things are going. Now, as we reflect, one thing we can do is what? We can take our sweatshirt that was on the treadmill or the bike, and we can kind of cover it up, and now we don't have Because, you know, like from here down, I'm doing pretty good. Also, I heard first service, some of you all right there were getting a big glare off the mirror, so I just did that for you, Mike. You're welcome. Um, and so he says, but if it's undesirable, so as you realize what's going on, if you said, I don't like it, Joshua says this, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. We always have a choice. As creatures made in the image of God, how he designed us, we get to choose. And he even says this, like, it's not just choose like the only answer is God, but he says then you choose who you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. You have a choice. You can take spiritual stock, see how you're doing, realize where you're going, and you can make the choice as, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to make changes. But Joshua closes with this. He says, but as for me and my household, we will what? We will serve the Lord. We've reflected, we've realized, and we're going to make changes. We're going to redirect. And and so I want to argue with you that, that, that it is a good spiritual practice before entering something new, like a new year, to say, how am I doing, to realize where it's going to get you, and then possibly to redirect. Now, I hope I'm not the only person in the room that when I look in a mirror sees things I don't want to see. I'm willing to go there and say I'm the only one. The rest of you are perfect. And you're like, man, I got a perfect mirror. Nothing to realize, nothing to redirect. If that's you, like, call me because I want you to mentor me and teach me how to be more like you. But if not, if you can identify with me saying, yeah, there's some things I want to adjust, then I want us to walk through this right now together. So the first one is to reflect. So it's easy to look in a mirror and kind of see what's there. And, and maybe, you know, we can, but there's ways to fool ourselves, right? I mean, you can kind of like suck in your gut a little bit, and like we all have maybe a good side, I've been told. I'm not sure what mine is yet, but um, I'm told it's there. But 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, examine yourselves. Like, check it out. Like, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your energy? In the old days, we would say a great way to know a person's values is their checkbook, and their calendar. And I realize in today's generation, you don't have either of those. But you do have phones with apps that simulate those ancient archaic things. And so, again, like pull out your phone. I think there's a, a thing that shows you how much time you spend on what apps and what websites. I guarantee if you did that, that's a way to reflect on how you're doing. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And so it's important to say, how am I doing and what's going on in my life? Now, just like a real mirror, we can fool ourselves. I could read this verse and say, you know what? I'm just doing great and dandy and perfect. And and Victor would say, then let's talk to your wife and your kids and see what they say, right? Because other people often see things we don't see. The other way to do it, maybe the more divine mirror, is to ask the God of the universe to come down and help us as we reflect. The psalmist writes it this way in Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God. 
Like there's a prayer of humility. Look up to your creator, the God of the universe, and say, God, you see all things, you know all things. Would you search me and know my heart? That's that inner place where there's feelings and emotions and thoughts that nobody sees. And asking the God, you remember, say, what's going on in my heart? Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Do you realize that thousands of years ago, the writer of Psalms recognized the problem of anxiety? Like, we tend to think that's a new buzzword in this culture. Uh, there's a movie, it, it's about little cartoons that live in someone's mind, it's their feelings. What's that called? Inside Out, yeah, great movie. There's an Inside Out 2 coming out. I saw the preview with my family, and they have all those emotions, and then something happens, and all of a sudden there's this fiery red creature, and they're like, you're new, and she goes, yeah, I'm anxiety. And it's kind of like hard to laugh at because we realize that people struggle with anxiety. But I want to tell you from the writer of the Psalms, there's nothing new under the sun. And the writer of Psalms, David says, Test me and see if there's any anxious thoughts, and the fact is there often are. See if there's any offensive way in me. And so he's crying out to God saying, will you examine me? Will you test me? Will you tell me what's going on? And he's not saying, and then leave me where I am. Like the the glimmer of the gospel in this verse is he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. And then finally, I would say this idea of looking, of reflecting like a mirror as we look in God's word as well. Now, I know many of you, you got your one-year Bibles kind of ready to go for next year, and praise God, that's a great thing. Many of us, we avoid the Bible, and here's why. As we read it, we see a reflection of things that we do or don't do that we ought to be doing. Does that make sense? And so sometimes we avoid it because God's Word is like a mirror. In fact, James, Jesus' half-brother, says it this way. James 1.23, anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says... So if all we do is read it, but we don't reflect, and there's no change, and there's no redirection, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's just pure foolishness. If right before I came up here, I walked into the restroom in the mirror and saw a big glob of something green on my cheek, And I looked at it and said, huh, that's weird. And I walked out here with the big green glob on my cheek and began to talk to you. Wouldn't you say that was foolish? Because if I see it in the mirror, the logical thing is do something about it. It's to realize there's a problem and then redirect. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. The idea of reflecting on our spiritual life can seem overwhelming. To, To really ask ourselves, how am I doing? To look into God's Word. To ask the God of the universe to reveal truth to us can be a daunting task. And here's why we can do it as believers. Gary stood here and he talked about the gospel, the good news, and I love the word he used, mulligan. The gospel says we can afford to look in the mirror because that is not our identity, that's not our shame, that's not our guilt, but because of the gospel, we can start afresh. And so there's nothing to fear as we look in here in light of the gospel. And so as we reflect, as we look, as we realize how we're doing spiritually, there's some areas I'd want us to consider. Uh, think about your, your, your mind. Like, I like to say this, and, and some of you may be doing it right now, but when, when you're allowed to think in your mind and maybe tune out the guy up front, what is it you think about? Some of you are thinking about lunch. Some of you may be thinking the Cowboys, whether or not they deserved the win last night based on the cold. I'm not getting into it. I'm just saying you may be thinking about that. But, but there's also things we think about that maybe are a little bit darker. 
There may be anxious thoughts. There may be worry. There may be just kind of things we shouldn't be thinking about. I'll put it this way. If right now I could point at a person and have their thoughts broadcast on the screen, how many of us would change our thoughts? Probably, yeah? And, and so we think about that. We think about our home. How do we do at home? Because a lot of times the way we are kind of out here is different than we act at home with the people we might take for granted. How are we in our community? How are we at school or at work? Would our coworkers be surprised to see us sitting in here on a Sunday morning? I don't know. And then what about the world? I mean, we watch this idea of the Bible being translated after years of diligent work, and we clap for it. i got to ask the question, do we care? Do we pray for it? Do we support it? And so, again, without condemnation or guilt, just saying, let's reflect and see what we're doing. Now, we reflect, and after we see what's there, we have the ability to recognize what it means. And here's what we see is that what we see in the mirror has an impact on our future. Negative or positive. The writer of Galatians says it like this, Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. And so unlike the mirror that I can cover with a cloth or get my best angle or maybe buy like a distorted mirror. The worst mirror, I, I didn't know this until I married my wife, but they have these mirrors that magnify everything. Have you seen these? Like, I thought I was okay in the skin department. I put that mirror up and I look at my face and my pores. And I'm like, ah, like, I don't turn that mirror on. My, my wife can get away with it. I can't. And so it's important that we not be deceived. When we look in the mirror, when we ask God to examine us, we don't want to be deceived. And here's what it says. God cannot be mocked. Some of us, by the way we live, think he can. We think we can read one thing and then do what we want. We think we can come here and sing with our mouths and then with our mouths in the afternoon say completely different things. But the reality, the truth is, God cannot be mocked. And here's what he says. Whoever sows, a man reaps what he sows. What you plant, you will harvest. And that goes both ways. If you're sowing in good ways, you're going to reap in good ways. If you're sowing in negative ways, you're going to reap. He says it this way, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap what? Like we wish it said pleasure, uh, some fun, some good times. But it says point blank that if you sow to please the flesh, you will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, not your own efforts, not your own how good you are, but from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. And I love this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so as we recognize what's going on here, some of us, we look and we go, man, I've been praying for Uncle Bob for years and nothing's happening. And it's exhausting. And the writer Paul says, don't grow weary because doing the good thing, getting on the equipment, redirecting our lives, it can wear you down. I'm not going to lie about it. I wish I could say that if you looked in the mirror, decided to make change, and now you're going to walk with Jesus, everything will be peaches and roses and hunky-dory. That's all it says. But it says don't grow weary because at the right time, God's time, you will reap a harvest. And so there's a promise that says when we redirect our lives, when we sow to the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, things will be radically different. And so again, we reflect, we realize, we decide what we're going to do. And just like Joshua said, you can decide which way you want. You can look, you can even listen and go, you know what? You can tell me anything you want about this area of my life. I am going to do what I want. And you can't. But remember from the truth of Scripture that how it's going to end is based on who you're sowing to, spirit of the flesh. So now we come to this idea of redirecting. 
okay, we got some issues, we got some things we want to work on, uh, what are we going to do? And is this biblical? I would say, in, in, in biblical analogy, there's the idea of uh, put off and take on. In fact, a lot like a sweatshirt or a cloak, there's things that we need to put off from our lives and there's things we need to put on. Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says it this way. Do not lie to each other. I love it. Like, let's just shoot straight with each other. No lying. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Do you realize that when you come to Christ, part of the experience that's afforded by the gospel is we take off this cloak of, of sin and the flesh and shame and we put it aside. And, and some of us, we haven't recognized that. We still feel the burden of it. Some of us on, on days when we don't know what to do, we're like, you know, I don't know that, that, that God says to do it this way. I'm not sure if it's going to work. But I know back here when I yell at people, they change behavior. And so let me take back on this cloak of anger and wrath, and, and maybe I'll walk in that. But Paul says, we take off your old self, and instead, we don't want to be naked. That would be bad. We put on the new self. We put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The things we couldn't do that he did on the cross, that he did in a perfect life, lay down and raise back up, we get to put it on. And then it says the God of the universe, when he looks at us, that's what he sees. Like at a real deep level, beyond what you see in the mirror, you have to think about what does the God of the universe see when he looks down. We put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When you put on the new identity in Christ, it says not only do you have the identity, but you are being remade and renewed into the image of the Creator. That is incredibly good news. What a thing to reap. Now, I want us to think for a minute about taking off and putting on. Now, when I say take off, many of us think of like a list of like the top five, well, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And, and I agree, there's things in our lives we need to take off. There's apps that should come off our phone. There's channels that should come off our TV. There's thoughts and behaviors we need to stop doing. But I want to challenge us on this idea of take off. Sometimes there's good things that need to be taken off in order to receive better things. Does that make sense? Okay. Lived in Tanzania for years, and they have an animal there called a baboon. In fact, I think we have a picture. Nasty animal. They get big. I mean, they get like, you know, like up to here on me. They have big teeth. They don't have hair on their backside. Just a lot about this animal to say nasty, gross, keep away. But the people I lived with were hungry and there were a lot of those baboons running around. So somewhere in ancient history, someone said, you know, if we could catch those things, we could eat them. Not me. I didn't say that, but they do. And so one day I go out with the men, and they're like, we're going to catch a baboon. And I'm thinking, how are you going to catch a baboon? They're fast. They're smart. they got big teeth. They're, you know, like, I don't know how it's going to happen. So we went out, and they found kind of like this half log. And they looked at it, and they're like, yeah, I think this is good. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, like, writing stuff down, like, what's going on? And they take, and they bore a hole kind of in it. And they're measuring the hole, and they're kind of sticking their hand and testing it. I'm like, what is going on? So they get this hole, and then they take thorns off a tree, and they stick them down into the hole. So, it, it, so now you have a hole. You can put your hand down in it. Um, and then they put something shiny under it. And so I'm like, why are you putting something shiny? They go, oh, baboons love shiny stuff. If they see something shiny, they want to steal it. You know, it's funny to laugh at the baboon. How many of us in life we chase after shiny things as well? And, and so they put this log down, they put the shiny thing, and they take off, and we go hide in the bushes. And I'm like, I, 
part of me was thinking it was a joke they're playing on the new guy. I'm like, you know, we'll see how it goes. And so sure enough, these baboons come along, and they're kind of looking. They see the shiny thing, and they're smart. They go to the edge of the log. They can't reach in. So finally, the baboon's like, yeah, I got it. So he, he puts his hand in there, and, he, you know, to get your hand in a hole, you squeeze it up, right? Do it with me. You squeeze in. He grabs the shiny thing, and now what happens? His fist is bigger and ain't going to come out. Now, the clue is he's got thorns poking into him. So that should be a clue to, hey, let go of the shiny thing and get away. Something bad is about to happen. And again, before you laugh at the baboon, how many of us know there's things in life we're holding on to and pursuing that are bad, and we do it anyways? And no joke, the baboon's kind of, you know, you know, yelling a little bit and getting intense. He won't let go. And finally, the men stand up out of the bushes, and they got bows and arrows and, like, these big clubs. And at this point, if you're a baboon, you should probably let go. And again, there's sin in life that we see consequences coming, and we just want to hang on. And the men came out, and they clubbed the baboon over the head, and we have baboon for dinner. In fact, here's my son, Lincoln. He caught it a different way, but this is Thanksgiving Day about two years ago. You can see the baboon on his belt that got caught. And um, if you want a fun story to ruin your lunch, ask Lincoln about how they prepared it. It will make you just vomit, and I'm not going to say it from the stage. But my point is... That we're being asked to let go of things, to let go of sin, to let go of good things in order for something better. Because the God of the universe says the things you've identified as good or desirable that Satan's lured you into, I need you to let go. Because I can't give you the things I have in mind when you're hanging on so desperately to things you think you need. And so there's really an issue of trust. Colossians 3.5 says it this way, put to death. That's definitely a form of putting off. That's saying take off the sweatshirt and just burn it. Like be done with it. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is what? Idolatry. It's going back to Joshua saying, hey, all those gods from before, leave them. Now, let me just give you a clue, and this has to do with the baboon and the enemy we have. All of the things on the list, which I would say, you know, the lust and the impurity, these are bad. These are all deceptions from our enemy of good gifts that God has in mind. I'm not, I'm not going to teach through it, but so many of the sins in life we want to pursue, Satan has taken, deceived, and distorted, and imitated. And if we'll let go of them, the God of the universe has the good counterpart to that if we're willing to trust him and walk in his ways. And so do we want the garbage, shiny things, or we want what God has in mind? Hebrews 12.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us what? Throw off. You see the theme? Throw off everything. I would even add everything and anything that hinders. Anything that keeps us from walking with Jesus can be an idol. So it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Satan is a genius in, in tempting and distorting us. He knows there's sin in our life that will entangle and trip us up. Like, I would not get on this tread, on this, I don't even know what it is, I exercise so little. I would not get on this machine in snow boots and a football helmet. What would I do? I would, like, wear an outfit like this. Which, by the way, those of you wondering, I did go to my boss and say, I'm preaching on this, can I wear sweats? He said yes. So that's good news. I should have done a beach theme. And, no, I'm just kidding. So... Anyways, but he says, let us throw off everything that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The fact is, as we reflect and we realize and we decide to redirect, there's a race to be run. And you better have some perseverance because it's going to be a while. 
As long as you walk this earth, you will struggle with what you see in the mirror. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Again, we go back to the gospel. We can do it because of what he's already done. Psalm 55, 22, and there's some negatives in there, but listen to this one. Cast your cares on the Lord. Anybody even have cares, worries, anxieties? Part of casting off is the God who says, I need you to give it to me. And here's the good news. I don't care who you are. You're worrying, you're laying awake, your anxious thoughts have not changed the situation. They don't. But the God universe says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will, I'd love it if it said he'll fix it, he'll make it go your way, he'll do what you want. doesn't say that. He says what? He'll sustain you. He will get you through it. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And so we have this idea of casting off. This idea of casting off in biblically, there's about 35 I found. I'm only going to give you three. But just think, there's things in life we need to cast off. Now, beyond just casting off, there's things we need to put on. Romans 13, 14 says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Do you see this contrast? You get to choose. You walk with the flesh, you walk with the spirit. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Like, pause right there. I know you've heard the verse before. None of these verses morning are new. As God's children, holy and dearly loved. Is that what you see when you look in this mirror? Holy, complete, perfect, set aside, and dearly loved. Because of that, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Ephesians 6.11, again, this idea that it's not going to be easy. Paul, in all wisdom, says, put on, here we go again, the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because you do have an enemy. And if we choose to reflect and realize and redirect, he will come after us. For some of you, maybe the wiser thing to do if you don't want trouble is just stay where you are. It's almost like when we reach out to walk with Jesus, he slaps our hand as hard as he can. And some of us, he gets his way and we pull it back and go, I'm not doing that again. That trying to share the gospel, that trying to love my neighbor, that speaking truth into the life of another believer, that did not end well for me and I ain't doing that again. But he says, put on the armor so that as we walk with Jesus, we can withstand these attacks. We're going to close in a minute, not yet, and if you came in, you should have got a card, and on it, there's some notes, but one of the notes is, what is one thing you could put off and one thing you could put on? And I want to challenge you, now some of you are like me, you're like, you're not going to tell me what to do, I'm not doing a New Year's resolution, okay, you can be like me and see how that ends for you, but I want to challenge you that we can do this. Now, I do want to challenge you. Some of you are like, well, one thing, I look in the mirror and I see 30 things. Don't you, Will? And the truth is I do. But I want to challenge us to work on one thing. That doesn't mean we won't address the others later, but, but there's this biblical example where Jesus says in the parable of the talents, because you were faithful in little, I'm going to help you in much. And sometimes when we look at the 32 things, like where do I even begin? And, and I think the answer is begin with one thing. Take one thing. Begin to work on it. Begin to see what God does. And then as you move to the next, you're like, man, I gave God the one thing and he helped. And now I'm going to trust him with the next. And I'm not saying stick with one all year, but, but start with one. Some of you, your one thing is going to be to read the Bible more. And, and, and that, do it. That's great. 
But again, going back to the mirror, be very careful. The ultimate goal is not just to read your Bible and say you read it. The ultimate goal is to let the Word of God transform your life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, I'd rather live out one biblical truth than memorize a thousand. And I'm not disqualifying the other 999, but I'm saying if we're not going to be responsible and, and be good stewards of the one we've been given, we've got to be very careful. Now, let me put myself on the line. A little embarrassing to do on Sunday morning. I took a card just like this. I filled it in. You can't read it because I have terrible handwriting. Isn't it small? So I was thinking, what's one thing I need to put off and one thing I need to put on? And in my example here, I found the two things actually go together. I don't know about you. I don't know how it's going to work, but it was interesting. So uh, the thing I decided to put off, it's a little embarrassing to say on a Sunday morning up here. Um, I was trying to find the best words. I, I have a lot of fear of man. I don't want to admit that. I, I don't want to believe that. I can give you verses that say that's not how it should be. But the fact is, I often care about what people think. Maybe the words they say, the way they roll their eyes, whatever it is, it gets to me. And I really felt like something I need to put off is just that pressure or that trying to live for the approval of other people. Instead, answering to God and living for his approval. And so that's something I need to put off. I'll be honest with you, I don't really know how that works. And so, again, I'm going to the God of the universe saying, will you help me to do this because it's a big task. Now, the thing I want to put on is interesting. My daughter, Clementine, gave me this cool Christmas present. I don't know if you can see it. It's a journal. It has this really cool magnetic class. Isn't that cool? And, and you open it up. It's totally blank. I haven't done it yet. And this is the best accountability because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and then for the rest of the year you can say, hey, did you do it? So she gave me this journal, and specifically what she told me is this is a highlight journal. And so what it is, is we highlight each day what God has done in my life. So I want you to think about your average day. There's good things, there's bad things. Uh, sometimes there's more bad than good. I don't know how your day goes. But here's something I've learned in life. The bad things often outscream the good things. I could have 10 good things in my day, and the one bad thing, when I go to bed, you say, how was your day? I'm like, it stunk. This thing happened. And I'm sure the God of the universe is like, what about those 10 really cool things I did versus the one thing maybe that person or you did? And so what a highlight journal does, just like in a book, you open a book and there's pages and descriptions and verbs and nouns and all that smart stuff. And with a highlighter, you choose to go in and accentuate the part you choose. And so in a journal like this, what I'm doing is I'm increasing the volume on the good things God has done. And we need to do that. I know in parenting that when my kids do something bad, there's a lot of volume. There's guilt and there's shame and you've disappointed me and there's looks and there's maybe a raised voice. Maybe it's like a 10 on the Richter scale. And then when my kid does something really good, guess what? Hey, good job, kid. No volume, no passion. And so what I'm desiring to do, what I'm desiring to put on is to accentuate what is God doing. Is that biblical? Yeah. There's a verse, they told it to me first service, I've already forgotten it. It says, whatever is true, honorable, and, and focus on these. What is that? I love smarter people than me. Thank you very much. Philippians 4.18. Yeah, and so what I'm saying is I'm going to do this. Go to the book of Psalms. How many times does the book of Psalms says, declare the goodness of God to others? And so I love it because my daughter's been doing this. I don't know, how, how long have you been doing it, Clementine? Two years? And it's so fun. Because like the other day, we were somewhere, and she came in and goes, she goes, did you know a year ago we met Andrea's mom? Wasn't that cool? 
And, and she'll just say, a year ago, something good happened. Like, this kid, things that God did a year ago because of this activity, she's now bringing to the forefront and declaring the goodness of God a year after the fact. It's amazing. And, and so I want to challenge you to do this card here in a minute. Jose is going to come up right now. I think he's somewhere. Uh, he's actually going to play, it's interesting, the song, The Blessing, because I want to tell you that the song, The Blessing, part of, 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 of walking in the blessing of God is to reflect, to realize, and redirect. That there are things we'll put on and things we'll put off that will help bring about the blessing of God in our life. Now, l- let me just help you with this. Progress, not perfection. I will fail at some things. There will be days I have the fear of man. There will be a day I don't do this. But I have the ability the next day then to do two entries and to catch up and to, to do that. Now, here's where this whole analogy breaks down. Okay? Kind of fun. Uh, it's good to think about, you know, exercise and what we want to do. Here's where it breaks down. is everything about exercise. If you join a gym, more power to you. It's all based on your effort. Period. Period. When we talk about spiritually reflecting and realizing and redirecting, you have power from the God of the universe. You are not on your own. Romans 15.30 says, May the God of hope, we all need hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you, what? Trust in him. That you're trusting to say, the ways you've told me to live, the ways you've told me to walk are better. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of what? Your own effort? Certain exercises? No, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says it back in Ezekiel 36, 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There's things you may write down and you're saying, I just don't want to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And the God of the universe is saying is that we submit to him and walk in the spirit. His spirit will allow us to do things we've never done before. And so Jose is going to play this song. I'm actually going to sit. My gift to you is a few moments of silence. And if you're willing, pull out this card and think about, pray about something to put off and something to put on.
Will you stand with me? We're going to pray together. And kind of as Larry and, and uh, Tony explained, just this idea of blessing, if you're willing or if, if it, it doesn't creep the person out, put a hand on someone next to you and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. We, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that we began this morning celebrating communion of what your son did, the life he lived, the death he died, and, and the way you took it back up again in resurrection. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you for the mulligan. We thank you that despite what we see, despite what we remember, that there's forgiveness, that you don't see that, you don't remember it, you cast it as far as the east is from the west. And because of the gospel, not because we're tough or strong or super willpowered or anything, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we come to you humbly and ask that there's things in our lives that we could put off and things we could put on. And then we praise you and thank you in advance that by your spirit, your spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, working in us would bring new life into our lives this year. Praise you and thank you. Thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that in a room like this, we have brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside, support us and encourage us as we do this. In Jesus' name, amen.